Hello, and welcome back to the While We're Waiting Hope After Child Loss podcast. I'm Jill Sullivan, your host and one of the co-founders of the While We're Waiting ministry. Today, I'm excited to welcome a return guest, my daughter, Bethany, to talk about issues faced by surviving siblings. One of the most common things parents who attend our retreats want to discuss is parenting their surviving children, and Bethany is able to give some unique insights into that as a bereaved sibling herself. Today's discussion is an extension of the interview we recorded together in April of 2021, and I've put a link to that episode in the show notes. I pray that our discussion of these issues will help open up lines of communication between bereaved parents and their surviving children. Hi, Bethany. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so glad that you've agreed to join us again today. I really think sibling grief is such an important topic and one that doesn't get nearly enough attention. And I've really been looking forward to kind of extending the conversation that we started in last year's episode. For those listeners who didn't have the opportunity to hear you when you were on before, it was episode 39, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes for us. Uh, Let's get started by just having you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what life is like for you there. Well, I live in Northwest Arkansas. Um, I'm a dental hygienist up here. I've been moved away from Hot Springs about three years ago, and I love it up here. Yeah, it's a great place to live. Lots of good Razorback sports, right? Absolutely. That's (laughs) the best, best part about it. Yeah, I know you enjoy that. So many of our listeners have heard a little bit of Hannah's story from me. Would you take just a few minutes and briefly share Hannah's story from your perspective as her younger sister? Yeah, absolutely. So Hannah and I were three and a half years apart, and she was my very best friend from pretty much as as soon as I was able to have friends, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, But uh, we grew up, we were very close. Like I said, she really was my best friend. When I was 12, Hannah was 16. She was diagnosed with brain cancer. She battled it for a year. And then she passed away. I was 13 when she was 17. Obviously, as a 13-year-old, that was very, very hard on me. Um, Especially, you know, losing my only sibling. It was very hard. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot that we can learn from our experience as a sibling and as a parent. Yeah, absolutely. So as we launch into this discussion of issues faced by bereaved siblings, I want to remind our listeners that Bethany and I are mother and daughter. And as we talk about these issues, I'm sure we'll come across a lot of things that her dad and I handled imperfectly. Um, I want to assure you that after the passage of 13 years since Hannah's death and many conversations during that time, and by God's grace, Bethany are comfortable talking openly and freely about these things. So our desire is that through our conversation today, you can maybe learn from both the things that we did wrong and maybe even some things that we did right. And as we all know, there is no manual for this journey. Bethany, do you have anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I just want to remind everyone, I I think we talked about it in the first episode, that this grief journey is um, different for everyone. Just like you said, there's not a manual. This is what helped me as a 13-year-old girl with one sibling. I know there's a lot of different variables of other siblings having multiple siblings you know, losing a sibling at a different age or not being close to their sibling. There's a lot of different variables that whatever I say may not be applicable to them in their grief journey, but it's what's helped me through mine. And also it's, it has been 13 years. And so looking back, I'm able to see things that maybe did work, maybe didn't work. But at the same time, it has been 13 years and there's a lot of things that are that I don't remember and, or that are foggy and may not have a great answer to a certain question because it's not as in the forefront of what I'm going through, if that right. makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
So in preparation for this interview, I posted on our closed while we're waiting Facebook groups the fact that we would be talking and I asked the members of the group, the parents in there to submit any questions that they might like to have answered or issues that they want us to discuss. And there were a lot of comments, some of them with multiple bullet point questions that went with them and suggested issues for discussion. Obviously, we can't answer them all, but together we're going to try to address as many as we can. And we're just kind of kind of wing this uh, wing this interview. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, The first thing I wanted to ask you about, you know, both last year and this Mm -hmm. year, I've tried to schedule this sibling focused episode around National Siblings Day, which was yesterday from the day that we're recording this episode. Talk about what National Siblings Day is like for you. Well, I can't say it's my favorite day of the year. It is uh, a day that I completely just stay off of social media because Every time you're scrolling through your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed, you just are bombarded with pictures of people who still have their siblings, Yeah, which is great. And I'm so glad that they can celebrate that they have a sibling because I'm sure if Hannah was still alive, I would be posting the same thing. Right. But as a, like a surviving sibling and not having my sibling anymore, It is so gut-wrenching still 13 years later to scroll through your Facebook page and be reminded post after post after post that I don't have my sibling anymore. Yeah. And that's hard. It's just, it's a hard day. Yeah. Yeah. I even hurt for you as I, as I scroll through those posts and I see all those pictures of smiling siblings together It just breaks my heart for you and for all of the other siblings um, whose parents we've had the opportunity to meet through while we're waiting, because I I just can't even imagine how painful that is. I feel like you also can't, I don't feel like I have a safe space to voice that opinion, because if I put that on my Facebook, (laughs) people would be upset because it, it comes across as like, oh, I'm upset with you for posting a picture of your sibling, which I'm not. I'm thankful that you have your sibling and it's great that you can, you know, honor your sibling in that way. But it's very hurtful for me. Yeah. But I don't feel like siblings have a safe place to share their frustration with siblings day. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I, I can imagine if you did make a post, some people might perceive it as looking for sympathy or, right. you know, yeah. So that's just a really crummy day. And I hate that for you. Um, I know when we asked people to submit questions, one of the most common things that was asked um, in various ways was basically this. What can a parent say that helps? And then on the other side of that, what kinds of things might a parent say that is not helpful? Mm-hmm. Um, we were kind of talking about these questions earlier. And one thing I said was, I no, I don't necessarily think it's things that are said, like spoken out of your mouth. It's more of actions that are taken that are helpful or not so much helpful. One of the biggest things that I think is helpful for your surviving child to know and to be verbalized, which this is something that I've spoken, but just to let them know that their grief is valid and that they have a safe place to talk about their grief. And and just to let them know that you see that they're hurting and they should be hurting because it's something horrible happened to them and just giving them a place to express their feelings is super important. Something that maybe is not as helpful or something that could be hurtful to a surviving child could be being left out. I I do feel like sometimes as a surviving child, we get left out because whenever somebody loses a child, Everyone surrounds the parents and wants to make sure that they are okay and make sure that their grief is seen and all of that. But I feel like a lot of times the 
the surviving child is left out of that. And so if you can include them in on your grief, let them know that, yes, I am grieving, but also see that you're grieving too. And let's, we can hurt together. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I know, um, one of the things that we've talked about is sometimes it can be hurtful to a surviving child when the parent talks about the child that went to heaven with Mm -hmm. others and doesn't even mention the surviving child. Um, I think that can happen sometimes. And, And they're talking about the child that went to heaven in their presence. Yeah. Talk about that, what that's like as a kid. Yeah, and I, I have talked to other other surviving siblings about this as well. Sometimes, which I want to preface this as, I know that you want to talk about your child that passed, and that is okay, because you want to honor them, you want to use their story, and that's that's awesome, and that's great. But sometimes when you're hearing that, and then you're not included, in the conversation. So if you're, if you're in a room and your parent is talking to somebody about your child that has passed and doesn't even mention that they have another sibling or another child, that could be hurtful. I know I see a lot of times parents um, that we've had the opportunity to meet that, that post a lot on Facebook about the child that passed away. And that's natural. You know, we want to post and we want, because we want people to remember our child that died. But what kind of impact can that have on the surviving child? Um, It can be very hurtful. I mean, sometimes if you see over and over and over again, your sibling that passed away and then no post about you as their surviving child, it can kind of be like, hey, you you want to go to your parents and say, hey, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. And I still, I still need you to pay attention to what I'm doing. So I think in that circumstance, like on social media or whatever, if you feel like you need to post about your child that has passed, try to also include your surviving child's good things that happened in their life. Um, Celebrate your child on Facebook. Talk about the good things that's going on in their life because we can feel, we can feel very left out. And that is damaging because sometimes, I mean, I could see where if they feel left out in that way, they may not want to talk to their parent because they don't feel like their grief is valid. Yeah. Yeah. Or like right. Exactly. Because they don't feel like it, they're included in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of parents tell us that their child won't talk to them. And in our last episode, we spent a lot of time talking about that issue. But I think one of the things that parents need to think about is the timing. You know, when they want to have this conversation with their surviving child about grief or whatever, um, how important is timing in that? Yeah, timing is huge. Um, I know sometimes for me, I don't want to talk about it right before, like right when we sit down to eat dinner. I don't want to, I want to just eat. (laughs) I just want to talk about my day. Yeah. I I don't necessarily want to talk about what happened with Hannah. Yeah. I'm more comfortable with it now. I can talk about it more now, but whenever it was a year, two years, five years, even seven years after If I sit down to eat dinner or if I sit down to just do something uh, normal, it's, it's almost like a gut punch. Like, Oh yeah, Yeah. I I wasn't thinking about it, but now that's all I can think about. Yes, exactly. Um, And that could be different. That could be different for every child. I mean, it may be right before bed. It may be, they don't want to talk about it first thing in the morning or when they get home from school. But then that way, you can also talk to your surviving child and ask them and really listen. Yes. And if they say, Hey, I don't, I do not want to talk about it during the week. I will only want to talk about it on weekends. Respect it. Yeah. Cause that, that could be a thing. Maybe they don't want to talk about it during the week, but listen to what they say. 
or just pick up on, you know, cues and then respect. Because if you keep pushing, sometimes they will talk less. Yeah. Well, that's something I've learned, I think, and it's, it's taken me 13 years, <laughs> is to be intentional about asking the child what they need. I know I think as parents that we assume that our kids know things, that they just understand things without us expressly telling them. But I think something that we as parents need to be very intentional about is making sure that our surviving children know and understand without a doubt that if they were the child that died, that we would be just as sad, that we would miss them just as much, that would impact our family just as greatly. I think we assume a lot of times that our kids know that, but I have come to realize that unless we tell them, they may not. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, especially as a 13-year-old girl, I needed to hear that. Yeah. Could have definitely um, helped Yeah, in my grief journey. Definitely. Even hearing it now is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something, you know, there's so many times as parents that we wish we could have do-overs. And there really aren't do-overs in this life, but there are things you can correct. <laughs> and that is one that, mm -hmm. you know, I wish I had done 13 years ago, but I am glad that I have finally figured it out, that that is something I need to communicate to you. And hopefully us talking about that together today encourages other parents. Don't assume that your child knows how much you love them. Don't assume it tell them and ask them, like Bethany said, you know, as far as, you know, talking about their sibling, do you want to talk about your, your sibling? When do you want to talk about your sibling? Um, those kinds of things, ask them, tell them what they need to know. Don't just assume anything. And that's something I'm still learning. <laughs> So a couple more questions um, that were asked. There was one Ah, this is a good question. Do you have friends that regularly support you in your grief? Think about that now and kind of think about that back when you were 13, 14, 15. I will talk first about being 13, 14, 15. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one, kids at that age are just already um, awkward and don't know how yeah. to talk to people and mean. I mean, you know, girls are just not very nice when they're teenagers. They're just not. Um, so then you throw in um, the death of a sibling and the awkwardness of that as well. I mean, kids don't know how to talk to other kids that are going through something like that. Right. Um, I feel like I lost a lot of friends. I feel like, yeah, I mean, I lost, I lost a lot of friends. I felt very alone and I don't even I mean, I feel like if it was the roles were reversed and I was trying to talk to somebody that lost a sibling when I had no idea, I wouldn't right. have any idea what to say. So I can't right. fault anyone, but you do have to realize that your child is losing friends or yes. things are being said to them that are very unhelpful and very harmful. Even now, 13 years later, I've got a couple friends that will message me. On an anniversary, one, maybe two text messages. Yeah. Um, so they don't have, your your surviving child does not have a lot of support. Right. I know that was really brought home to me because you and I were together this last uh, February 26th, which was the date that marked 13 years since Hannah went to heaven. And my phone had been blowing up all day with people sending me messages and texts and things like that. Of course, understanding that with Through the While We're Waiting Ministry, we have met so many parents and I have a lot of connections and things like that. But still, your phone was not like that. Silent. Yeah. Silent. Yeah. And that's such a shame. And even like this year was even, it was harder for me than 
lot of other years because I was 13 years old when she passed and yeah. then it's been 13. So I've lived just as much time with her as I have without her. And that's, yeah. that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really weird anniversary that I didn't know was going to hit me as hard as it did until it was already here. Yeah. I think parents need to be aware that we as parents get so much support from friends, family, Facebook acquaintances, and things like that. And our surviving children don't get that. And I think parents maybe just being aware of that can go a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's just very unfortunate. You know, we're talking about how we were together on her heaven day, um, as we call it. One of the questions that somebody wanted to know was, do you spend time with your parents on Hannah's birthday, heaven day, or holidays? And does this help? Um, talk about that a little bit. Um, I feel like we try to get together on mm -hmm. most of her um, heaven days or birthdays. Uh, we, we have a Mississippi mud cake. Yeah, for her birthday. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we'll we'll still go to um, Outback Steakhouse for her birthday, mm -hmm. uh -huh. <laughs> just like yep. we did on tradition every yep. year. Yep. Um, I do. I am thankful that sometimes, if I don't want to, um, mm -hmm. that you guys have respected that in the past. Because for whatever reason, some some years I haven't wanted to or haven't right. been able to. Right. And you don't fault me for that. Yeah. Yeah. We give each other grace in that regard for sure. Now, this was not a question that was asked, but oh, no. <laughs> yeah, get ready. Um, one of the things, and it, this just popped into my mind about how we give each other grace in certain areas, and that is the grave. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of parents, I think, want their surviving children to accompany them to the cemetery and you know when they go as a family or when it's a holiday or when it's a birthday or heaven day or whatever and I don't know if surviving children always want to do that um, talk about that a little bit oh that is an interesting question um there's times where I want to go to the grave and there are a lot of times where I do not even want to be in the same town yes, as the grave uh -huh. um, because I have to drive past it and yep. that's not my favorite thing to do. So I, yeah, I mean, I just feel like we've both given each other grace in that way. I, yeah. I don't, y'all have never made it a priority for me to go. Mm -hmm. Like you've never said you have to go every single birthday. You, there have been several birthdays that we have spent together. Yes. At her grave. Um, but there has been several birthdays that we have not. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful. I'm personally thankful that you didn't force it. Yeah. On me. Yeah. I just think that's something good for parents to think about too. That going to the grave might be a comfort for you, but it may not be for your surviving child. Yeah. Um, Bethany and I are very similar, really. As far as the grave, neither one of us gets much yeah. comfort from going to the grave. So I think it's been very easy <laughs> for us to give each other grace in that <laughs> regard and understand each other. We're on the same page with that. But my husband, Bethany and Hannah's dad does enjoy going to the grave. I don't know. Enjoy is not the right word, but he gets mm -hmm. comfort from going to the grave. And um, right. we all three of us have just given each other grace to do what we need to do in that regard. But I think it's good for parents to be aware that that may be a very difficult place for their surviving siblings to be. And, um, you know, that's that's not a battle that I think is necessary to fight. If they're not comfortable yeah. going there, I wouldn't make them. Not a battle worth getting angry over. Yes, for sure. So one of the questions that was sent in is how did or does grieving affect you in your daily life? And I know it's different now than when you were 13. It, it evolves through the years. 
um, emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, whether you dealt with anger, whether you um, went through a period of acting out in handling your emotions. Would you like to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, I do feel like whenever Hannah was going through all of her treatments and over just that whole year, I was sick a lot. And I think it was my body just being in total stress overdrive mode. And my little 13 year old self could not handle it. Yeah. So I definitely think my body suffered physically even afterwards uh, for a couple of years. I feel like my grief has affected a lot of my relationships as well. Mm -hmm. I think I've talked, um, talked last time about how as a surviving child, we're told several times that we have to be strong for our, our parents because we don't want to make it worse on them. And so at 12, 13 years old, I took that as I can't talk about my problems and have to stuff them in. Yeah. And so I've continued that pattern even, even now in relationships, I feel like I don't talk about my problems because I don't want to be a burden on other people. So I feel Mm -hmm. like that has affected me long-term, long-term. Another thing, whenever um, I was younger and I feel like a lot of siblings go through this, surviving siblings um, tend to go through a rebellious period. And I don't know we're kind of talking about this earlier. I'm not sure if it's because we, we are, and I talked about um, being angry as well. When you are 12, 13 years old, you have no idea how to handle grief. Right. No idea. It, you, there, of course, is no manual on grief, but at 12 and 13, you don't even know how to handle your emotions anyways. And then, you lose a sibling on top of that. You really don't know how to handle emotions. So I feel like it does come out as anger Mm -hmm. and acting out because we don't know any other way to handle it. And that's like one thing that we can control. I also think sometimes rebellious rebelliousness, is that a word? Yeah. (laughs) Rebellion. (laughs) Um, Sometimes rebellion could be because, they feel like they need to be seen Yeah, because I talked about it before as well. You guys grieved behind closed doors Mm -hmm. and I kind of felt like y'all were done grieving or like y'all were so stuck up in your own grief in your own grief journey with each other. I felt like I was left out. And so I think some of my rebellion was because I'm just like, Hey, I just want to be noticed. Whether it's in a good way or a bad way, I just want to be paid attention to. And I don't fault y'all for that at all, because of course y'all were blinded by your own grief. I mean, we all are, but um, I do feel like surviving children may act out just so they can get any kind of notice. Yeah. And as parents, you know, just like you said, we're so, we can become so blinded by our own grief. And, you know, we don't know what we're doing either. We've never been through anything like this. And I think sometimes we only see ourselves. And then, like you said, we grieve behind closed doors, thinking that was the right thing to do to protect you from our grief, you know, and not let you see us struggling. And, you know, we've learned later that we probably should have been including you more in our grief. And, you know, there's just so many things when you look back. And I know a lot of parents will be listening to this and it's been years since their child died. And they look back and they think, wow, I wish I could have done all of these things differently with our surviving children. You know, we do the best we can at the time with Mm -hmm. the knowledge that we have and in the emotional state that we are and the same thing with our surviving children. I mean, you were doing the best you could um, with what you could understand in your little world when you were 13 years old. And, um, you know, we just have to, we have to be willing to give each other a lot of grace, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so one of the questions that we received that one of the parents wanted to know is, did she receive and welcome and benefit from counseling? So talk just a little bit about your uh, experience with counseling, because I know we talked about that some in the last episode. So um, after Hannah passed, I think it was about a year and a half, maybe maybe even two years before I started going to counseling. I started going to counseling because I was, you know, in my rebellion stage and I was not sleeping like at all. And then I would sleep during the day. I would stay up at night and cry and then sleep during the day at school, um, which turns out you get really bad grades when you do that. Right. (laughs) Right. Uh, And then I started going to counseling and I personally did not necessarily benefit from it because I was in a stage where I just wanted to be out of it. I didn't choose to go to counseling necessarily. I felt like it was something that we decided, okay, we're kind of at our wit's end. We're going to go. And I felt kind of forced into counseling, Mm -hmm. which was probably smart on their end. But I just lied my way through counseling, checked all the boxes and got out as fast as I possibly could and didn't even try to absorb any of it. Mm-hmm. Now that is just my experience in it. It could be very beneficial to other other children, but it wasn't necessarily to me because I wasn't ready to receive it. Yeah, I have been to counseling since then. Yeah, and definitely benefited from counseling. But at that time, when it wasn't my decision, mm. and I I felt like, well. I'm just going to check all these boxes and get out. It wasn't beneficial to me. Yeah. I think it's important to, to find a counselor that understands and has walked through similar, if not a sibling loss, a very large loss in their lives. And so they can better walk you through what it's going to be like. Yeah, I think that's that's great advice. I, I wish there were more people that specifically focused on grief counseling and that was their thing. And and they did that because they had that experience and could really talk right. about that. So you think counseling would have been more successful for you if it had been your decision to choose it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think probably would and have. And I feel to. like at, at some point... Um, I would have chosen it for myself. Mm-hmm. I would like to think I did, but I would have, but I'm not positive. Yeah, exactly. And I think nowadays counseling is way more widely accepted than whenever I was 13. If you went to a counselor, you were crazy. Yeah. Or you had some serious problems. Right. And now I think counseling is more widely accepted and promoted and celebrated almost yes. mental yeah. health is. And I think that is huge. Now it's not as scary uh, for someone to see counseling, which yeah. is super important. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't have the stigma maybe that it once did. Right. Um, and I think that's a good thing. You know, this is kind of a, a difficult subject to talk about. But um, this was one of the questions that was asked. Um, I know you were present when Hannah went to heaven. And I know that some of the parents that um, listen to this podcast, some of the some of the siblings that may end up listening to this episode were also present when their sibling passed. And I know that was difficult. What helped you get through that? Mm. Um, well, I think it would have been better if she would have passed in a more peaceful way. Yeah. Um, That was hard for me to watch. It was more of a struggle and a suffer than just, you just close your eyes and you just go to sleep like in the movies. Yes, Um, exactly. You know, for a long time and still, you know, every now and again, I will be revisited by those memories. Um, and that was hard whenever I was younger Mm -hmm. because I didn't know how to deal with, with those memories. But at the same time, I wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere else. 
Yeah. Yeah. If I would not have been there, I would have regretted it probably forever. Mm -hmm. So I'm thankful they all allowed me to be a part of that. Even though those memories are very, very hard and difficult, nightmarish, I would not give that up. Right. To not have those memories of her last moments. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually very glad to hear you say that. (laughs) Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, we can't assume that we know know things like that, right? Right, exactly. Every you know, we've done two of these podcast episodes, and I've learned something, <laughs> several things actually, each time. Yeah, I just think there's so many things that we assume we know about each other, and and we don't. So I am glad to hear you say that. Another thing with like her death, specifically afterwards. We took her to the uh, funeral home, and um, thankfully we had um, very sweet friends Yes, um, that took amazing care of us throughout that whole situation. She offered the opportunity for us to look at her. Yeah. And I knew we were going to have a closed casket the day of her funeral, mm-hmm. and I was like, I want to see. Yeah. And I, neither one of y'all wanted to see. And I was right. like, I want to see. And so I got to go in the room by myself Mm -hmm. and see her. And it was so, it it put a a period Mm. that I so desperately needed. Yeah. A a closing that I would have, if the last time I would have seen her was at the hospice after that horrific (laughs) ending of her life, um, it would have been very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And then I came out, remember, and I was like, guys, I think y'all need to see her. <laughs> yes, I do. And so y'all went in there and saw her. And then we all went in there as a family and saw her. And yes. um, I think that was healing and a better way to end mm-hmm. end it rather than at the yeah. hospice. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. And that was, I did not want to go in. I did not want to see her. Uh, th- that was just me. I did not want to see my daughter in the casket, but I'm Sorry, so glad that, but I'm so glad just like you were saying about being present at her death. I'm so glad that you insisted that we do. And so I was able to step in there and see her and see that um, the lipstick they put on her, she would have absolutely hated, <laughs> <laughs> but that she looked, you know, she looked good. and. That was all I needed to see. I don't think I was in there very long, but it was a great, it was a good thing that the three of us did together. And I'm glad we did that. And I'm glad you insisted that we did because I don't think I would have if you hadn't. Yeah. So I'm glad that that was something that we did together. All right. I'm looking through these questions. I know there was one here where one of the parents shared that their, um, child was worried that she would forget the memories and times that she had with her brother. I don't know. Is that something that you have worried about with Hannah or that you have experienced? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there are definitely, especially once you go through grief. Yes. Our, our brain does this really weird thing where it just forces you to forget a lot. It just, if you go through a traumatic time, think that's a part of PTSD. Yep. It causes you to for to have memory loss. Yes. Um so it is unfortunate that there are there are memories where I don't I don't have a Pana. I am very thankful for home videos that we took. Yes. And pictures that we have. Um because those that does help bring back some of those memories that I do feel like are lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to rest in knowing that we had so many good times. And I, I mean, there's nothing that I feel like I'm necessarily missing out on. Right. From when she was alive. There are definitely things that I feel like I'm missing out on without her. I don't want that yes. to be misinterpreted, but I don't feel like I missed out on anything when she was alive. Yeah. 
Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I was interviewed on a podcast the other day, and the interviewer who has lost a son himself asked me a question I'd never been asked before. And he said, do you think there is trauma involved with every type of child loss? And I had to think about it for just a second. And I said, uh, yes, absolutely. I think there's trauma involved in every child loss and every sibling loss, um, whether it's cancer or car accident or suicide or drowning or stillbirth or anything like that. I think there's trauma. And like what you were saying, it, it affects your brain, <laughs> you know, your, your memory, your ability to process even for a while. Yeah. And I think we as parents experience that. And I think we as parents need to remember that our children experience that and they're even less equipped to deal with it than we are who are in our 30s or 40s or 50s. And our children are in their teens or 20s or, you know, single digits. It, it's traumatic for the entire family. And like you were saying, that trauma Im impacts your memory. And, and for a child like you, who was 13, you had to walk back into school and uh, do homework and take tests and read books and stories that included um, stories of children dying and things like that. How did you handle that? Um, uh, not real well. Right. Um, I'm very thankful for some of uh, the teachers that I had, there was a book in particular. I don't mm -hmm. remember what it was, but there was sibling loss in it. Yes. And I was like, I'm not reading this. I'm not. Yes. And my teacher was okay with it. Yes. And she allowed me to do another book or another project. I'm not even sure what I did in replacement, but I'm very thankful she, she didn't you know stand her ground and say, no, you have to read this book. Because yeah. I, don't, I think I would have quit going to school. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, there, I remember that. I know. Oh, it was awful. It yes. was awful. Mm -hmm. And she didn't know when she assigned the books. She would have never. It, when, she didn't do that on purpose or maliciously. Right. right. Um, it was just unfortunate. Yes. I do poor timing. look back and think. Because it's just a running joke that I'm terrible at math. And I genuinely think it's because all of my beginning math years, I don't remember right. because I was such in a fog. Either Hannah was going through cancer and I was not mentally present for school or it was afterwards. And I was dealing with such horrible grief that I wasn't comprehending anything that I was learning. And I genuinely think it, it, stuck with me for throughout college. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think it has long lasting impacts like that, especially when you're, yeah. When, you know, when you're in those early kind of formative years of school and your, your brain is so traumatized. Um, I think that's, uh, it certainly can have a long time impact. Mm -hmm. So how would you say, this is another question. And I, I, not sure if you're prepared for this one or not, but how would you say you have grown maybe through Hannah's diagnosis and death? Grown. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm more equipped to help others. Yeah. I have more sympathy and empathy for people who have been through similar experiences. I know with my job as a dental hygienist, I get a lot of different people sitting in my chair with a whole lot of different life lives that they've lived and life experiences. I just had someone in my chair today that we were talking. He's in his seventies or eighties. I'm not even sure. And he asked me if I had siblings and I was, he's like, do you have brothers? <laughs> and I said, no, I don't have brothers. And he's like, Oh, I thought you would have brothers. <laughs> and he's like, do you have any sisters? And I was like, uh, well, I had, I had one sister that um, she passed away. And he, and he said, I had, I had a brother that passed away when he was 21. Oh, wow. wow. 
and uh, he had several other brothers, but um, yeah, he, he, and he just shared that with me. It, it reminded me that even at 70 and 80 years old, I will still remember Hannah and I will yeah. still want to talk about Hannah to people that I meet. And especially if they have that connection with me, but I know that's kind of getting off topic of how I've grown, but I do get a lot of people in my, in my dental chair that I can relate with and um, help them walk through a journey where if I did not have that loss in my life, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to. Yeah. Well, to me, that's a beautiful picture of the way God has used this horrible thing in your life Mm -hmm. to equip you to help others. Exactly. I mean, it's very clear that I can use this horrible, tragic thing that happened to Hannah and our family and help other people walk through their own horrific and tragic events that happen in their families. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with you guys. I mean, you have taken this loss of Hannah and used it for while we're waiting and mm-hmm. touched so many people's life where, you know, I would rather have Hannah oh. <laughs> at the end of the day. I would 100%. rather have Hannah still alive. Yes. Rather than have while we're waiting be a thing. But I'm yeah. thankful. I'm so thankful that y'all took something tragic and used it for God's glory and touched countless lives. Mm. Yeah. You know, while we're waiting has been a huge blessing to us. We've had the opportunity to meet so many wonderful people and hear the stories of their amazing children. But I know every one of them who is listening to me talking right now completely understands when I say I would give all of that up in a heartbeat (laughs) to have Hannah back. But since that's not an option, uh, we are so thankful that God has given us the opportunity to use uh, our story and her story and your story uh, for good. Um, You know, one of the things uh, at our retreats is we have a topic time. And one of the topics that comes up more than anything else is this issue of how can I help my surviving children? And you said something to me when we were talking before I started, before we started recording about how, how much kids. It's a breath of fresh air. Yes. Yeah. Talk about that. What, what, what does that mean to kids, to kids, to surviving siblings? Cause I know a lot of them are adults to know that, that their parents are that concerned. I just, whenever I was reading the questions and I mean, you sent me like six pages of questions. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, wow, these parents genuinely care about their surviving child's grief. They care about making it easier on them. They care about what's the best way to love them through their grief. And that, that what I mean when I say is a breath of fresh air we don't always feel that way. We don't always feel like that we're even noticed yeah. or that anyone even cares about our grief or that our grief may not even be legitimate or valid to even still be struggling with. So yeah. just reading through these questions and, and knowing that as a parent, you are worried and love your child enough to even ask the question and search for answers is it's a first step. I mean, yeah. And and not, not everything that I have said or will say is even going to be useful, but just the fact that you're even listening to the podcast means that you care and you love your child and they know that. Absolutely. That tells me that there needs to be more communication between parents and children, (laughs) you know? Yeah. That the parents have all these questions and, you know, I'm asking you these questions, but they may need to be, some of them may need to be questions they're asking their kids at the right time and in the right setting is how they can help them. And I know sometimes the kids won't talk to them and they won't tell them the answers um, because they don't know, but uh, just opening that door for communication 
and letting your kids know maybe that you're a safe place, that they can come to you when they're ready and talk to you. Yeah. And to know that you are going to validate their grief and not minimize it. One thing we talked about um, prior to starting recording was sometimes parents can tend to minimize their child's grief by talking about their own grief at the same time. How was it that you said that? Do you remember? Um, when I, yeah, oh yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes when I'm talking about having, giving them a safe space to share, uh-huh. just listen, just listen to what they have to say. Listen to what they're dealing with. Listen to the grief. And, and you don't have to say, oh, yeah, I'm going through the exact same thing. Or, right. yeah, that hurts me too. Just listen mm-hmm. because no one is listening to them. Yeah. So what you're saying is don't. A lot of times people listen to the adults or the um, the parents. You have places to share. So if your child is talking to you and telling them about their grief and what they're dealing with, you're probably the only one that they're talking to. Yeah. And so just listen, Mm -hmm. just listen, just listen and just tell them, I see that you're hurting and it's valid and it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. And just hug them. I I genuinely think that doesn't happen very often. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's very helpful. Yeah. Because truly, I think siblings, surviving children, surviving siblings just want to be heard and just mm-hmm. want to know that the pain that they're feeling and the grief that they're suffering through is valid and that mm-hmm. they are seen in your eyes. Yes. I think so often as parents, we want to fix them. When they're telling us what they're going through or what they're experiencing, we want to give them a solution. And maybe that's not really what they're looking for. Yeah. Sometimes we just want to know we're not crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that we actually hear them and see them. And that it's not about us. It's about them and their grief in that moment. I think that's, I think that's advice all of us can all of us parents can use how important it is just to listen and validate. Kind of to close, um, you were telling me something again before we started recording that you've observed in the sibling group. You know, we've talked about how parents, how we as parents want to try to help our kids and we don't really know how um, without breaching any confidentiality or, or, you know, putting any anybody's privacy at risk or anything like that, because we certainly want to respect that. Tell me something. Tell me what you've observed um, over time in the sibling group. Yeah. One thing that I talked to mom about, and she was very um, surprised by, was there are several posts that are simply asking, okay, so there's a anniversary coming up. What present or what gift or what, um, what can I do for my mom or my dad? And they're asking because they want to do something for you guys. They want to, um, show that they see you hurting and that they're there for you. I I thought it was really cool. I mean, there were several posts, um, just scrolling through today to see if there was anything that has been said on the sibling page that I can say today to help um, yeah. with the podcast. And I saw at least five posts of people asking of what did you get for your mom on this uh, five year anniversary? Or what did you get for your dad? Or what did you do with your dad on this anniversary or this birthday? And yeah. they were, had all had several comments of what they did for their, um, yeah. their parents on this anniversary. And I, I remember one of them just said, just be with them. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just be with them. Yeah. And I just feel like sometimes we just need to sit and be with each other. Yes. <laughs> That's but great I, advice. I thought that was really, really cool that I see on on one side parents being asking all these questions and wanting to help their their child so much. And then on the sibling page, on the other hand, they're asking the same question. 
Um, yeah. What can I do for my mom and my dad on this anniversary? So we, we are fighting the same battle. We are on the same page and we're just trying to all survive. But I thought it was <laughs> yeah. really cool that, yeah. um, you know, on both sides of the street, we're worried about the other. Yeah. And that's special. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was beautiful when you told me that. Um, and it, and it absolutely shocked me. I was not expecting that. I didn't think that our surviving kids would even think about something like that, you know, what to get for my mom or whatever for that particular anniversary date. And it just, it just shows, like you said, that we as parents and children are actually closer together than it might appear. We just need to communicate with each other about all of this. You know, we're all in this together. And um, I think we can really benefit from from just talking and being intentional about talking about these issues. And maybe a podcast like this is something that a parent can listen to and share with their child or a that a child can listen to and share with their parent. And, and it might just open up an avenue of communication um, that both of them could benefit from. So thank you, Bethany for coming on and once again, sharing what's on your heart and being so um, honest and vulnerable. I'm so glad, you know, there was a lot of things we failed at 13 years ago and 10 years ago and eight years ago and five years ago, things we didn't talk about that we probably should have. But I'm so thankful that God has brought us in our relationship today to where you and I can sit and talk through these things without without hurting each other and with giving each other grace and, and accepting um, each other's journey and respecting it and validating it. And I'm so grateful for that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so, so glad we can talk about all of these things. And, you know, just like I said at the beginning of the podcast, like this is, this was our journey. This is what we went through. You can't fit into a mold for sure. Right. So I hope that I did <laughs> other surviving siblings uh, justice and that they can um, agree with some things. And I'm sure they disagree with some things too, but I, I'm more than happy to talk about it because like you were saying, y'all made mistakes. I made plenty of mistakes, still making mistakes yeah, and we, we can too. give each other grace and love each other through it. And it's absolutely, we're all, each other have. Yes. And yes, exactly. Thankful for, for the journey that we've had together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just in closing, I just want to mention the listeners, you've heard us talking about this sibling Facebook group. It's actually called while we're waiting support for bereaved siblings. And, um, you know, uh, if you are a surviving sibling, all you have to do is type that in the search bar in Facebook and uh, request to join. It is a private group. Bethany is one of the moderators in that group. There's another um, older adult gentleman who is a moderator in that group. And it's a pretty quiet group compared to the parents page. But the more siblings get involved with it, the more conversations I think that that there might be. And um so that's a, that's a, there's not very many um, resources available for surviving siblings. Are there, Bethany? <laughs> no, there is not. Um, yeah. I do think this group has definitely grown over the past, oh gosh, year probably. Yeah. Um, and has gotten more active, I would say. But we do have a lot less than you guys. So yeah. there will be less conversation. And siblings yeah. are just naturally quieter, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The nice thing about that sibling group, though, is if you need somebody, there's going to be somebody there pretty much 24 hours a day that um, can respond if you have a question or something's going on in your life. So um, anyway, that's a resource. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And and please, parents, don't ask to join that group. It is just for siblings. I know we as parents like to check out things that we <laughs> refer our kids to, but this is just for surviving siblings. So um, we want to respect that and that, that that's their space. All right, Bethany, anything you want to share just in closing? I don't think so. I think we've <laughs> covered, yeah. covered pretty much all of it. 
Yeah, a very wide-ranging discussion, hopefully, that will be helpful to some people. And um, again, thanks, Bethany, for coming on and being so vulnerable and honest and and sharing um, what God's put on your heart. And uh, I just love you. I just love you, too. I'm thankful. (laughs) Thankful for you, for sure. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the While We're Waiting, Hope After Child Loss podcast. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, please take just a moment to leave a rating or a review, and please feel free to share it with someone you know who might be helped by it. We're so grateful for all of you who come back and listen every week, and those of you who may be listening for the very first time. I hope God has used it to encourage you today and to help you live well while you're waiting.